slash plunge. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Condon, five minutes after the hour of 11, it's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. We're with you for another 50 minutes or thereabouts. Zubin Mahente in 20 minutes. We'll join the program. Michael Swain momentarily. Trent, before we went to break, we mentioned the Masters ratings for the final round mm-hmm. uh, were released. And kind of like we anticipated, although I didn't anticipate it was going to be this bad. I mean, this is historically bad. Worst rated final round of the Masters since 1993. Uh, they weren't, uh, the public was not um, tuning in for that leaderboard and the fact that it was a four-shot lead and there was yes. seemingly was not a lot of drama. I think that was a huge part I, of it, I too. do, too. I do, too. I don't think it was a Matsuyama thing. Um, if him and Valdoris were Sp- tied? Spieth. Yeah. Put an American in there with them, yeah. right? Um, and and maybe more eyeballs. You know, a, a Rory, not American. I get it, but mm-hmm. you know, a big big name. Uh, but boy, oh boy, nineteen ninety three. That is not good for CBS and their advertisers. R- R- Michael Swain, minute, Michael, um, just just real quick. Did, how long ago did the Masters? Remember, it was commercial free, and it was brought mm-hmm. to us by who was it? Who bought this? AT and T. It was a Buick Cadillac, maybe. Yeah, I think that sounds right. But they had like two. But that wasn't the case this year. No, no, it's uh, evolved back a little bit. Yeah. As who was it? Uh, the lady Burke. Was she the one that I don't remember? Had the the pickets and the signs. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And they said, mm-hmm. "All right, you can you can certainly do that with their advertisers. Mm-hmm. We don't need advertisers." Right. And they don't. No, they don't. They've got a, a huge endowment. What, one other quick thing. Did uh, the coverage that was just online, did you watch that at all? I did not. So uh, Shane Bacon, who we used to have on a yeah, lot, yeah, and we've seen him evolved. He's on Fox's coverage when they had the USGA. He was one of the commentators. How like, about that? How about that guy? He was just talking to us, talking golf in Des Moines for years and years, huh. and now he's calling the Masters. Good for him. Yes. Uh, Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, joins the program. Lots Michael of- might be another one of those guys we're going to look back in a few I, years. I hope we do. Trent, you said he's very good on, <laughs> uh, on on radio. Michael, thanks for what you do for us. We appreciate appreciate you being patient here as we kind of um, you know uh, cleaned up some business from our number one. How are you? I'm doing great. I, I would uh, definitely agree. I was kind of tuned to the Masters early in the afternoon, and then as it kind of went on, I... I tuned out of it, so I guess I'm like the rest of America, where you know the end maybe wasn't as exciting as I would have liked. No, I'm I'm with you. Uh, it's still beautiful visual on TV, but there was not a lot of drama in that round until very late. Uh, so, Michael, we we got to, we'll get to football. Let's start with basketball. Um, I, I saw this on your site. I, I missed John Rothstein's tweet uh, that Iowa State will be one of the uh, teams taking place in the preseason NIT in New York, an event I thought was always held at Madison Square Garden, but now is going to be at Barclays, regardless of the venue. Uh, along with Xavier, Jack Nungy, uh, Memphis, and Virginia Tech, Iowa State will be one of the teams that will be participating in that. Uh, it's a pretty good get to start the season, right? A lot of eyeballs on that. Oh, 100%. I mean, especially when you consider the season that Iowa State's coming off of to land in a, a big marquee tournament like this. Now, granted, you know, the slate 
isn't as good as maybe it has been in years past in terms of just been big name brands. But you know, you still got Memphis in there. That's a big name. Um, and, and I have to look at what Virginia Tech's going to look like this this fall. Mm, but yeah. they're also a team that can be good in the ACC. But it's a really good way to kind of reestablish yourself in terms of being on the national basketball scene. You know, you talk about these Thanksgiving tournaments, and they're all kind of timed out differently to where you know you do get some national attention. So if you know, it'll be a good opportunity for Iowa State to maybe establish themselves early on in the T.J. Altsburger era and just maybe, you know, reannounce themselves after what was a, a really bad season last year. So we know uh, some new names and we're going to get into them momentarily, but still two more open scholarships left here, Michael. What can you tell us on the recruiting front? You guys at 24-7 do such a great job on that. Give us a couple of the names that they are still involved with here and, and maybe some realistic candidates for those last couple of scholarships. Yeah, it seems like maybe we're at the point now where I was taking a little big game hunting in terms mm. of the, the transfer market where you've kind of maybe filled out some of the, not the role players, but some of the other guys that are going to be contributors this, this season. And now maybe you can go after, you know, out of Kentucky, Cameron Fletcher's a name that I know Iowa State's been involved in. Tristan Anaruna out of Kansas, I know we mentioned him last week. Um, those are probably still the two big, big names. Um, and I'd be really interested to see maybe who else Iowa State gets linked with over the next week to 10 days. Because the crazy part is, you know, we're not really even that far into transfer season. There's a, you can easily expect us to maybe go into, you know, into May and potentially even June in terms of trying to add transfers. So now I think we're getting into maybe some of the, the fun part of it where you get to see some of the maybe the bigger names that Iowa State can go after. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to land everyone that they go after, but I think if there's one thing T.J. Otzelberger has proven, you know, in the first, what, or even a month into his kind of time as Iowa State head coaches, he's already been able to land some pretty big guys. Look, you know, Gabe Alsher out of Minnesota, getting Tyrese Hunter on board yeah. officially. Really good start, and I'm really excited to maybe see how things unfold over the next month. Yeah, and I like the fact that, you know, the hay is in the barn with these three kids, and as you mentioned, uh, I'll use your phrase, that he's going to go big game hunting with a couple of those big names, which which would be terrific. So Kalsher, to me, although Trent pointed out the analytics don't bear this out, but I watched enough of this kid to uh, to come away with the opinion that he's a really good defender. What he also is, he's got a little toughness to him, right? He's got that Big Ten kind of toughness, that physical brand of basketball that he played in that conference, kind of like Baylor. Look at, look at how Baylor does defends you and they get right in your face and they and they guard you and Kalsher seems to want to be that guy I love that pickup for that reason um, he he fancies himself as a uh, as a knockdown shooter he was early in his career he seemed to slump a little bit in the last two years uh, but if you can get that part of his game uh, back to where it was early at Minnesota they were they might really have something here in Kalsher hundred percent I'll tell you guys what I was really impressed I got to talk with him a little bit on Saturday and one of the things that he said to me that I think has just really stuck with me is he mentioned the confidence. And he talked about having a bond with TJ Altsoberger and that TJ saw something in him and that it really gives him confidence knowing that the head coach has a confidence in him to not only be able to knock down shots, but to be an impact guy. I think if you look at his three-point percentage at Minnesota, of course the line moved back, um, you know, what was it, two seasons ago, which is when the drop happened, but... I think confidence is a big part of that. You know, you think about some of the great shooters of you know all time. They're guys that don't think about the last miss that they had. And he talked about having trying to refine that confidence here this summer and heading into Iowa State, which I think is something that's really encouraging if you're an Iowa State fan because defense translates. You know, effort translates. He'll he'll always have that. But the ability to knock down shots is something that we didn't see late on in his Minnesota career. 
but he seems to have the belief that he's going to be able to find that again. You know, we talked about a little bit of his shot form. He feels like his shot form is really good and that it's really just, it all comes down to the mental aspect of things. So for him, really interested to see how he adapts to the Big 12. I think he's maybe the type of player that can adapt just because he is athletic. You know, he's a competitor. Seems like he's one of those guys that really will fit maybe the up and down style of the Big 12 compared to maybe the gritty style of the Big 10. So you pair him with a Tyrese Hunter in the backcourt, and all of a sudden you're looking at a kind of a tenacious uh, backcourt in terms of being able to defend guys, get into guys, and just be aggressive, which listening to TJ Altsberger talk, it sounds like that's what he wants his team to be, really gritty on the defensive end and then go and make teams pay on the offensive end. Tyrese Hunter, top 50 player. Mm. Question I have, and I have loved even more, it felt like over these last few weeks we got to know a lot more about him, even as he was kind of quiet to the media before officially announcing that he was going to stay with his commitment and uh, with Iowa State. He just seems like the prototypical point guard, a guy that will get up and defend, will run your stuff, will do what needs to do. you need to do in order to win. My other part of it, though, him as a player, but secondly, did you ever hear who else became involved here in his recruitment? Who else was making those phone After calls? After Prome left? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's tough because it's uh, a touchy subject because he is technically still – or he, oh, he was always signed. Right. So I guess programs can technically poke around, but it's kind of um, – I don't know, in bad taste, or uh, it would even be against the rules that they were to contact him. So I'm not sure if I can specifically say which programs did, but I know there was definitely a lot of interest from programs across the country in Tyrese Hunter. I mean, you think about, you know, top 50 guys and top five point guards in their class don't come open very often. So right. it really is a, a big deal for TJ to keep him on board because you're looking at a guy that really can change the complexion of the season and the kind of the rebuild that we're looking at here. Uh, Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com, football in a moment. Um, Michael, are you hearing anything at all regarding the guys that were part of this team under Prome? I mean, seemingly there's, um, you know, Coleman, Lands, and Bolton. Those were the latest two. Are we done now? Is the transfer portal uh, from last year's team, has it? Is that door closed? Um, or, or do you expect maybe one or two others? that may be kicking the tires that still have a decision to make. Any news on that front? I think we're probably looking at the end of the outgoings in terms of transfers. Of course, things can change, and someone may not like their role depending on who is brought in, but I think at the moment it really does seem like kind of this is the this is the roster in terms of guys that are on it right now. I don't see another you know exodus, if you will, when you look at kind of what happened with Dudley Blackwell, Darlene Sir Dubar, and Tyler Harris kind of all entering the transfer portal within, what, a week or 10 days of themselves. Um, I don't really see that happening again. I think we're kind of into the point now where I think the guys that are on the roster right now are, are kind of locked into this, um, I think, barring some drastic changes in terms of other roster moves that Iowa State makes. So, And I haven't heard anything. I just want to ask you about Blake Henson because mm-hmm. I think this is a huge part of this team. Yeah. Nothing no, – I mean, he's here. We know that. Uh, and he sat out all last year. But but he's he's good. He's happy. It sounds like it. That's kind of been the vibe that I've gotten so far. Um, I think it's probably also worth noting that Blake Hinson has been in some of the workout videos that Iowa State has posted, which I think would be a, a different than what Steve Prohm said was happening with Blake Hinson this, or this past season, where you know Blake Hinson got back to campus in January. Steve Prohm said that he wasn't doing team activities; he was working out by himself, you know, kind of one on one or one on one with the manager, um, and then was doing workouts by himself as well. So. To see him kind of in the, I know, you know, Iowa State did a combine, 
type of workout and they posted a video of it and Blake Henson was in it like two or three times. So it does seem like that's a positive step, though we haven't gotten any specific word or official word from Iowa State if he's been officially cleared to kind of play in games this fall. Final thing, this is just a little help from your buddies here in Des Moines that have been around a long time. Do not follow that goober Chris Williams and his Caleb Grill puns yeah. when he comes into the game this winter. Can you, can you please do that for us because Williams has that corner covered? Oh, you guys got it. I will let Chris take that all the way. Um, I'll Real's come up with something up. else for Gabe or someone else. Yeah, yes. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. Uh, let, let's get the football. Um, look, it's... it's it's rarefied air, right? There is going to be expectations on this program that have never, with a capital N, in fact, capitalized the whole word, <laughs> never been there in the past. This, to me, is going to be maybe one of the bigger talking points. I'm sure you've seen the preseason FPI uh, that's come out, and Alabama's one, and Oklahoma's two, and Clemson's three, and ahead of Ohio State and Texas A&M and Notre Dame and Georgia and Penn State and some of the other marquee game, uh, names in college football. At number four there is Iowa State. Uh, the expectations, like never, ever before. That's going to be a big talker, I think, in the weeks, months ahead, isn't it? Oh, of course it is. And I think it's maybe been a theme of our media availabilities with some of the coaches and some of the players so far. Obviously, we're not going to ask them about what their opinion is of the ESPN FBI, but I think it sounds like they're really gearing towards a title push in terms of not, you know, national, of course, national title would be a part of this, but uh, winning the Big 12 title. You know, we've talked to now multiple court or kind of position coaches, and their thing has been that they're really trying to hone in on fundamentals keep guys fresh this spring, not really grind guys down, and try and really maximize some of the development time right now for some of the young guys so that when this fall comes around, you know, the starters are fresh and ready to go compete for, you know, 13 weeks. And then those reserves are ready to step in in case there are injuries because, you know, it's football injuries happen and you have to have kind of the depth there to be able to still compete for a Big 12 title, even if guys do get hurt. So I think that's been maybe my biggest takeaway this spring has been it really does seem like this is a team that is gearing up for the long haul this fall. You know, we talked to Eli Rashid, the defensive line coach, yesterday, and he said that they're really focused on specifically fundamentals. What's your stance look like? What's your footwork? They're not really doing a bunch of this head-smashing Oklahoma drill type of stuff where guys can get hurt, guys get nicks, they get bruises, and then they have to whistle or miss a week of spring practice, which is a big deal right now. So it seems like this is a program that I think has the, you know, the big picture look at what's going to happen this fall and isn't trying to just get after it this spring because they have the opportunity to and they didn't last season. I think they've taken a, a really kind of a, a veteran approach to this, even though this isn't a program that has been through springs like this before where you're looking at a big picture of saying, wow, they could really be competing, you know, into late December for, you know, on some of the biggest stages in college football. Michael Swain joining us from 24-7 SportsCycloneAlert.com. Uh, Michael, the quarterback position. And is we there don't a battle, Trent? <laughs> a little bit different <laughs> on this side of the state as, as a prize to what we have over in eastern <laughs> Iowa. Brock Purdy's the dude. What did Joel Gordon, though, the quarterback coach, have to say about the other guys? Uh, yeah, he said that it sounds like it's going to be a, a good competition and that he, he likes what he's seen from you know, Aiden Bauman and Hunter Decker so far. You know, those are two guys that Hunter Decker's kind of, it seems like he won the backup mm-hmm. job last year. 
Um, you know, we got in three games, if my memory serves, um, and some of the blowouts late in the season. So it seems like those guys are going to battle it out again this spring, but he didn't really go too much in depth into the specifics of who's been impressing and kind of what they've impressed with. But he said he's really liked the work ethic. He's liked the way that they've worked together in terms of watching each other. Um, and I think that's a big thing, too, because sometimes you hear about this in other programs, for example, where two quarterbacks compete, you know, kind of butt heads, one wins and one transfers. Well, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Of course, things can change. and I don't want to speak for either of those young men, but it seems like those two guys are kind of in on the idea of competing with each other. We got to talk to Hunter as well, and he kind of reiterated that, that he has enjoyed learning from Brock, but he said he's also learned from you know Aiden Bauman too. So it seems like those two guys have a really good dynamic, which I think would be really encouraging if you're thinking about you know life after Brock Purdy, you know whether that be after this season or if Purdy decides to do COVID year and comes back for uh, another season. You know, I think regardless, I think Aiden Bauman and Hunter Deckers are the two guys that are going to compete, and it seems like they're really in on the fact that those two are going to be the guys of the future. Uh, last thing for me, uh, back to Coach Rashid, who you guys met with yesterday. Obviously, mm-hmm. Jaquan Bailey uh, is one of the few that is moving on. He'll do so as Iowa State's all-time sack leader. Uh, but in his place, I'm assuming that's going to be Will McDonald, right, who's, you know, since he walked on campus, what was it, two years ago, Trent, the athletic named yeah. him as what, one of the biggest freaks in college mm-hmm. football with his athletic ability, and he flashed last year. I mean, he there were times when he got to the quarterback uh, that just um, you know you just sit up in your chair and wow, what what a play! Um, so is it McDonald that Bailey's role will you know be able to fall on his plate? Is that how Coach Rashid sees it? Yeah, I was really interested to see how he kind of would handle that if he was going to kind of maintain that hey, it's an open competition, or if he's going to kind of tab will mcdonald as the replacement and he went ahead and said that they're expecting him to start and i think the biggest thing that i took away from getting to talk to will mcdonald and you know eli rashid yesterday was the fact that mcdonald is up to 240 pounds i want to say um he's trying to get up to 245 250 which if we're looking at terms of someone's potential in terms of nfl you're talking about someone that's up to the size of a, of a Vaughn Miller in terms nope. of just frame, not comparing him to nope. Vaughn Miller. Nope. That, you know, that's the all-time Big 12 sack leader. <laughs> right. But in terms of the frame, Will McDonald is six foot four, an inch taller than you know, Vaughn Miller was. If he gets up to 245, 250, he'll be the same weight Vaughn Miller was. We have to see what the, the length looks like for Will McDonald's arms, but he certainly seems to have the long arms. He really has that kind of fast first step. So. I'm really interested to see if he's able to hold that weight going into this fall because he even said when we talked to him yesterday that he has a really high metabolism and that he's having to eat, you know, what is it, like seven or eight meals a day, a meal every two hours basically just to try and get up to that 250-pound mark. So I'll be really interested to see if he's able to kind of get up to that weight and then hold that weight through the season because you're talking about someone with a real high-end potential. I mean, we saw it last year. He led the Big 12 in sacks. I didn't believe led FBS in sacks without starting a game. So, you know, of course, there's going to be a lot more attention paid to him this fall. Teams are going to send double teams. They're going to chip him. Um, and he's going to have to work through that. But he's someone that just has some really high-end potential. And I think I'm really excited to see what he's able to do with more attention paid to him because, you know, the dominant guys in college football can do it against double teams. We saw it with Jaquan Bailey at times last year where, he took on double teams and still was able to get sacks and strip sacks and make big plays. So that's going to be one of my big storylines I'm watching for this fall is kind of how does Will McDonald hold the weight and then how does he deal with the, you know, the increased attention that offenses are going to pay to him. Final thing, 
And we talked to quarterbacks a little earlier. One coming in, Rocco Becht. What a name. Yeah. Rocco, the quarterback <laughs> coming in. Dad played in the NFL. Great tight end. Uh, what can you tell us? An under-the-radar prospect at the quarterback position. For sure. He seems like one that I, I know he's probably going to get a, a bump at some point from us. I know we got one from ESPN, I believe, last week. Um, but, yeah, he's someone that I think really has maybe the maturity you look for in a quarterback. Um, you know, of course, Dad played in the NFL. He really got to watch his dad kind of play the latter years of his career. But I think he's maybe taken on that, the, the big-picture mindset of what he has to do to get better. Um, and talking to him and talking to, I guess, you know, some people around him, it sounds like he's someone that's really dedicated to really getting better. So you think about uh, another summer of work for him and then going into the fall, really excited to see what he can do because he's someone that, you know, at six foot one, he can really, you know, make some plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's not someone that's going to go and run. He's not a dual threat guy, but he's someone that can kind of extend plays in the pocket, has a really good arm and is someone that I think in terms of development, it might take him a couple years at Iowa State, but he's someone that I think can win some games in the Big 12. Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Great hit, as always, with us, Michael. Thank you. We will uh, talk to you next week. We appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, as we catch up on Iowa State. Speaking of catch-up, we're a little bit behind. It's time for another $1,000 home run. Enter the keyword, deposit. At KXNO.com, KXNO.com, for your chance to win $1,000. One more time. Deposit. Uh, KXNO.com, a pop-up box shall appear. Enter deposit and wait for that phone call uh, that you may not recognize the number, but you'll want to answer it. $1,000 keyword giveaway, KXNO.com, the 11 o'clock hour word, deposit. Supermahente. Joins us next on 1460 KXNO. All in one app. A business name is important, sure. For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build? Our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. XNO. Trent Condon here with you. There's two kinds of rental property owners. The do-it-yourself guy and the renter's warehouse guy. You know DIY guy. He insists on handling everything himself, even if it makes him miserable. Renter's warehouse guys are a lot happier because they let my friends at renter's warehouse handle all their property management headaches. Like when a tenant clogs a crapper, DIY guy grabs a plunger, heads over, opens the lid, and nearly passes out. Renter's Warehouse guy, he lets Renter's Warehouse handle it. When tenants are late with rent, DIY guy interrupts his workday to call them, email them, text them, until he's wasted his entire day. While Renter's Warehouse guy lets Renter's Warehouse handle it. And when a tenant has an emergency at 3 in the morning, DIY guy has to roll out of bed and handle it himself. Because when you're a DIY landlord, your tenant's problems are always your problems. Renter's Warehouse guy, he sleeps. Sleep soundly through the night. When it comes to your property management, let Renner's Warehouse handle it. Get your free rental price analysis at Renner'sWarehouse.com today. That's Renner'sWarehouse.com today or call 515-528-44. Bank USA NA. Just past 11.30 on a Tuesday, it's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Great to have our next guest back with us in his 
time slot. Zubin Mahente from ESPN Radio. Mornings with Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and a cast of thousands of uh, first-rate guests joining him. And the draft draws closer. Uh, there'll be a lot of that. And it was a spirited conversation yesterday with Keyshawn, who's not the biggest Mac Jones fan, was maybe my takeaway. Zubin, Smart guy. Yeah, I know you're not a fan either. Uh, Zubin, good to have you back, my friend. Uh, I'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but I want to I want to start with this, uh, and that's what uh, ESPN has planned uh, with the explosion of uh, of uh, sports wagering. Who did I see yesterday? Trent joined the fray. Maryland and Arizona. Oh, really? I believe I, Maryland. I saw the Maryland one. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are the latest two. And tomorrow during the NBA, Zubin, while you tell us what's going on at ESPN related to the NBA and sports gambling. Yeah, and I know I, you guys will really appreciate this, and I think it's high time we have done this, but it shows you how far things have changed. Let me just set this up to tell you how much more gambling has been embraced. When I was doing college football a few years ago, well, I was probably six years ago, there was, a, there was like a Friday night game. It was no big deal. And we did what you guys would randomly call a cover alert, right? Yep. You know, instead of Al Michael saying it or Brent Musburger winking at it, <laughs> when the spread was getting close, we just we it was it was nonverbal as we call it in TV. It was a nonverbal cue, which means we just threw up a graphic on the screen. Nobody referenced it. The announcers didn't talk about it. It just said, "Look, we're getting closer to the number." I want to say, like that night, we got a call from the NCAA. We just like mm. threw it up, <laughs> and to go from that, right? How dare you talk about a line closing or a number about to hit? Uh, tomorrow, the Nets are playing the Sixers. Great game. The two best teams, I think many people believe, in the Eastern Conference. And there's going to be a traditional broadcast on ESPN. And on ESPN2 or on ESPN+, Plus, I know some people are cord cutters, they have Plus, some people still have ESPN2 at the cable box. On either one of those platforms, we are going to be doing a gambling-centric broadcast. And we are going to do it under the guise of Daily Wager, which is our gambling mm-hmm. show daily that airs from uh, Las Vegas. Our guys in the studio are going to be there along with Kendrick Perkins to provide a little bit of hoops analysis. But it's going to be a 15-minute pregame show where they'll discuss odds, closing lines, how to bet. Then they'll have a halftime show that will be devoted to following things that happened in the first half. And so the entire broadcast is going to be an alternative to the traditional and if you're into gambling, uh, you guys are so deep into it, but if you're just learning how to gamble or want to gamble and listening to your show, I've seen all the, the, the amount of handle you guys pulled in last month. Um, it'll be entertaining if you're hardcore like you guys or just want to get more interested in gambling. And we're not going to hide from it. We're not going to run from it. It's going to be gambling first and foremost on this broadcast uh, starting tomorrow night, 7 Eastern ESPN 2 ESPN+. Plus. Worth the check. Might be fun. That's cool, and uh, looking forward to more and more of this. And it feels like the market can get even bigger, and not just here, you know, on the national scale with the new states going on, but even on the local scale and live betting and the way that it's going to change. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun, and uh, you don't have to bet a lot. You can have fun with it. Even betting a couple of bucks as I've done for years and years and years. Zubin up with that. Speaking of of the NBA and basketball in general, I want to get your perspective on what continues to be a conversation piece in college markets, and that is the transfer portal. And there are people that believe that this is going to be the death knell of college basketball. Yes, that this is such a terrible thing that it's going to be a big, big issue. 
How do you see the transfer portal, and how do you look at it going forward, what it is and what it's going to be as it pertains to college basketball? I think it's an absolute game changer. I mean, look at just what happened today with Mac McClung, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's going to go from Georgetown to Texas Tech to a third stop. And the problem is, and I wouldn't call this a problem, he's such a talented player that people are always going to be in play for his services. And obviously there is the discussion about if a coach can get up and leave with no sorts of uh, restitution done, why can't a player do the same thing? That's obviously been out there. But I think what you're seeing is cracks that are apparent only down the road. Like, I, I believe, and I don't think this is the sole reason he left, but I'm talking from a more macro sense. If you talk to Roy Williams in five years, and, you know, he's dadgumming it all over the golf course, whatever he's doing, hanging out with the kids, I bet you he would tell you in a private moment, he didn't retire because a bunch of kids from Carolina, like Walker Kessler, wanted to transfer. And I think he ended up at Auburn, if I'm not mistaken. Great seven-footer. Um, but part of his leaving was his inability to get through to those guys and say, hey, you're a five-star seven-footer. Just wait your turn. I had a guy named Tyler Hansborough once that looked just like you. <laughs> and it took a while. Before he left, he was great. And I think Roy realizes right now, You've got to recruit your roster. Then you have to re-recruit that same roster because of the portal. And then you have to bring in guys from the portal. If you're Eric Musselman and you've made your entire collegiate career based off the portal at Nevada and Arkansas, then it can work to your advantage. But I believe most coaches want continuity. And while the portal does give you an opportunity to improve your skill set, and certainly is not a great opportunity for a kid that's playing in a non-Power 5 to experience one year at a Power 5, exactly what Yesifu is doing. I mean, I think that, that to me, and even though I know Drake fans are upset, mm-hmm. Yesifu is exactly why the transfer portal is a great thing. People didn't believe in you. You exceeded expectations. And now you want to max out at the highest level, and you should be given the opportunity to do that. So I think the biggest thing is just looking at something like Roy, and as soon as this generation, this old guard of coaches goes away, I think they would tell you privately in a moment their difficulty in recruiting, re-recruiting, and managing their roster due to the transfer portal is part of the reason they left. Roy will never admit this, and Bubba Cunningham will never admit this, and Hubert, who's an amazing guy, he worked here for a long time, will never admit this. But the transfer portal has tilted the power towards the player. And if you're telling me Roy Williams, who has won three NCAA titles at North Carolina, is in a subservient position to a player? (laughs) There's something wrong. Um, But other people would say it's high time the player was in the advantageous position. After all, the coach is making millions of dollars because the players are winning in games. So I I think it's a little detrimental on the surface, but I think for many, many people – uh, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube on this. Indeed you can. So, but let's get to the uh, NFL and the NFL draft. I heard the spirited conversation yesterday, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, and you want him because he's opinionated. You want him for a number of reasons, but he's really opinionated. And it was on full display uh, yesterday. So, but we'll save that for a second. But just uh, in, in the fine, in the two weeks with, you know, with McShay and with Kuyper uh, and with Riddick and all the resources, NFL resources uh, that ESPN has. Of course, they have the draft. 
draft. Um, this two weeks is going to be, I, I would think, you know, I, every day, I'm assuming, maybe every hour, uh, you guys will do an NFL draft piece at some point during your show. The unwritten rule with us is if it's not football, it doesn't rate. I may have said that once or twice on your program. Mm-hmm. But right now, with the NBA in a slump, Baseball, again, something you guys love, but most of America still getting into it. Um, we're still thinking about every day leading with the NFL, regardless. I mean, the Canucks are in an unprecedented situation, Ken, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, tomorrow our show, we have something called Ask the GM Anything. It's sort of like an AMA on Reddit. Our first hour tomorrow, Mike Tannenbaum, who's the GM of the Jets and the Dolphins, he's just going to join us for the first hour. And literally, people just call and ask him anything <laughs> about the draft. Because what are we not thinking about? What is your favorite team doing that maybe Mike pulled off before? There's so many tentacles, so many avenues to go. And we just decided, instead of limiting it to, well, the Steelers got to draft somebody at 24 because Ben's not getting any younger. You know, how many times can you have that discussion? <laughs> we just said, 888-ESPN, what do you want to talk to Mike about? You ask him anything. Because that's what people are in for. The one surprise I would tell you guys, it's how visceral the draft has become. One of my favorite guys at ESPN, one of my favorite guys, is Dan Orlovsky. But i got to tell you, after those comments Oof. about Justin Fields, it wasn't just Kirk. We had people coming on the show every day that sort of say it with a wink and a nod, almost like, yep, I heard that. And again, we're all very friendly and harmonious here. We see each other. We work with each other. We don't see each other as much as we used to in person. But it's one of those things where... Comments like that, for most sports, just fall. But when that comment was made, because it was the draft, there's just so much discussion to be had. You know, today with Mel Kuyper, we brought up Davis Mills, who's uh, Stanford's quarterback, another Georgia high school product like Deshaun Watson and uh, Trevor Lawrence that Mel thinks could go in the second round. Um, you know, uh, he, as you mentioned, not a big fan of Matt Jones. Uh, he called him gravy boots <laughs> with regards to his mobility. Um, somebody actually called the other day and said, you know, this, you don't get this in any other sport. Somebody called the other day and said, I don't think the casual fan may realize this. You know, Matt Jones is a DUI. In uh, November of 2017, when he was a freshman and nobody thought he was actually going to be the most dynamic quarterback that Nick Saban has had, and I know Tua burst onto the scene, but if you take a look at the numbers, there's no argument. The answer to that question is Matt Jones. They pried him away from Kentucky, and somebody called up and said, if that was Justin Fields with the DUI, you think you guys would be talking about mm. it? And and I, I didn't know what to say. Obviously, this guy was intimating that, you know, this guy is a quarterback of color. Maybe we see him differently than somebody like Mac Jones who had a DUI, I believe, on November 3rd of 2017. So it is the, the draft is raising the temperature, not just with our analysts going against one another, but with callers literally, I mean, Trust me, I didn't say if you have a if you have a take on the Mac Jones DUI, call it. <laughs> right. I definitely didn't say that. But people literally just call the show, and if they have something really interesting to say, um, we had a we had a cop call today, a, a police officer in North Carolina today, call us and explain to us that if you're right hand dominant, your gun should be in your right hand and your taser should be in your left, and if you're left handed, it should be the opposite way to talk about what happened in Minnesota. So this is a show that's very different. People want to call and talk about everything. We're totally open to it. But the draft, to your point, is just one of those things that just brings out things that I hadn't thought about. He thinks that at some point it was going to happen to Mac Jones, just the way, like, I mean, you know, Justin Fields. I mean, that's, look, think about where Justin Fields' stock was after the Clemson game. 
and now he can be the fifth quarterback. Right. What happened? They, they played one game since then, and now he might be the fifth quarterback hmm. pick. It, it's just amazing, Peter. Zubin, uh, it's April. That means it's time for me to start to watch the NBA for the first time in a long time. There you go. Jamal Murray, what a, That's a blow. just devastating story there. But I want to go a different direction. Our, our friend Good John... Monte Morris, though. Yeah, it is. John Cannon, uh, who covered the Warriors for a number of years, sent me a text this morning. I didn't realize. I, I've seen the highlights of Steph Curry, how well he is playing. But looking at the rest of that roster, what he is doing, now averaging over 30 points per game, this late in his career... Seemingly taking it to another level, he's not going to win the MVP, but boy, maybe he should. Yeah, I've heard John on your show before, and I, I agree with a lot of what he says, especially particularly considering the Warriors situation. You know, they're in a spot where because, you know, when you go to five straight NBA finals, anything less than that, you're basically off the map. Mm-hmm. And right now the Warriors are just simply off the map. You know, they don't have Clay Thompson. Curry has been injured. He's had a tailbone injury that he's fought through this year. Last night, you're right, Murray was the big story, and obviously now with the ACL, it's devastating for a franchise that was trying to get to their first ever NBA Finals. But Curry passed Will Chamberlain on the all-time Warriors scoring list. What's interesting about this particular team and this particular guy, to your point, they drafted James Wiseman second overall, and now Wiseman is on the shelf. And they don't exactly know what they have in him. Steve Kerr, jokingly, after game says, all right, it's time for your daily James Wiseman update. <laughs> and basically he's saying that because at the second overall pick in the draft, they need him to hit, even though most second overall picks get enough time, especially when you have the wattage on the roster. But they've also been in a situation where their top offseason acquisition, Kelly Oubre, he's been injured quite a bit this season. Marcus Chris has been injured. They haven't had Clay at all. Draymond has struggled. Certainly, obviously, Kevin Durant is gone. So, so much of the burden is on Steph. And I bet you one thing, if you speak to John next time or you text him, the one thing that you're seeing is Steph is being much more vocal. There's a lot of, this is not acceptable after the game comments. You know, Steph's a pretty placid guy. Steph's a pretty cool customer. But there's been a lot of, even Clay at some of the games, has been imploring the team after some pathetic performances a couple of weeks ago, they lost a game by 53 points in which they were down 61 (laughs) at one point in the game. 61 points in an NBA game and lost by 53. So you're right. Steph is doing his part, but the guys that they have put in place, like Wiseman and Oubre, just have not met expectations to this point. And obviously when you have a big three of Durant, Curry, and Clay, and that big three has been whittled to a big one, you see what you get. Uh, Zubin, in 30 seconds, I left the bet futures, and with the NBA on the horizon, I'd like to get in now while I still have a chance to get a decent price. Uh, give me, not a favorite, uh, you know, not Utah, not not Brooklyn or, or the Sixers. Who's the team that you think's flying under the radar that you wouldn't fall off your chair if they're playing for a championship? Don't care what conference. Yeah, yeah, my easy answer would be the Clippers because I think they have all the talent in the world, and I think swapping Rondo for Lou Williams is great for them. Paul George, Kawhi are still there. Nobody's talking about him. The Jazz is the league's only 40-win team. People are waiting for LeBron and AD to get back. People are talking about the Lakers falling into the seventh seed, which would put the Lakers in the play-in round, wow. which would be amazing if LeBron was in that round. Um, but, you know, people are talking about Phoenix, too. They haven't made the playoffs in over 10 years. They're an amazing story. 
But I think people are sleeping on a team that's not ascending. The Clippers have enough to get over the top, but they just haven't been getting a lot of attention because there's been so much on the Nets and the Sixers and the plight of the Celtics and the return of AD and LeBron. So I would go for the Clippers because I think they have all the talent in the world, um, but they've just been overshadowed, which is amazing because the last couple of years they've been as prominent as any team in the league. Good stuff, Zubin Mahente. Uh, really appreciate the fact you're back with us. Uh, look forward to next week. Have a great week, Zubin, uh, and we'll uh, talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you in seven days. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, buddy. Zubin Mahente, ESPN Radio, uh, back with us and uh, grateful for so. What are the Clippers? What can you get them at? The 15? Clip Show, NBA. Futures, come on! Here we go. I'm going to take all that money I won on Tony Fino top ten. <laughs> all right, uh, Nets, Lakers, Clippers six to one. That's it. That's all you can get to win the championship. To win it all, you can only get six to one. Nets are the favorite plus two twenty. Lakers plus three fifty seven to two. Then the clip show, Bucks fifteen to two. How about the Sixers at eleven to one? Got any that, interest that's there? That's a really good price, Trent. They that's, lead the way in the East. That's what I thought too. Of this group, and this is you're on DraftKings. I'm on DraftKings. Yeah, Nuggets is sixteen to one after the Murray news. I yeah. mean, burn that ticket. Heat twenty eight to one. Suns twenty eight to one. Celtics forty four to one. I know they've been a yeah. disappointment most of the year. Still some talent there. I think it's the Sixers for me. At that at, at eleven, 11 to, to one, double digits for them. I'm with you. Now I, we know what's going to happen. Embiid will get hurt, <laughs> right? And then burn that ticket too, but. Yeah. At 11 to 1, that's the price I'm shopping at. All right, we'll take a time out, come back, uh, finish out the program. Tomorrow's Wednesday. Cappy's with us. Boy, oh boy. Not good for the Cuppies. Cappy, if you've been watching his recaps, he's not a happy camper before he hits the hay. Miller and Condon, 1460 KX and Happy tastes good. $700,000. That is a ton of money, and that is what Charterhouse Real Estate saved its sellers last year compared to a 6% real estate commission. Our model is simple. We are a full-service real estate firm that puts you first and not the money. What will you do with the thousands we save you through our reduced commission structure? Find out what you can save selling your home by visiting our website and using our savings calculator. Head to charterhouseiowa.com today to get started. Charterhouse is a better way to sell your home. To let this play, we'll be on a show. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. If you like pitching, uh, today is your day in Major League Baseball. There's some unbelievable matchups. Strasburg, Flaherty, uh, Hendricks, Woodruff, uh, Bieber, Giolito, Martin Perez, J.A. Happ. Not doesn't qualify. No. <laughs> be good to see your twins this afternoon. What time do they play? One ten. They will be back on the field today. That game will be happening. The Timberwolves game will be played today, 4 o'clock, Target Center. No fans in attendance, though, for that one. So TV only. So the mm-hmm. Twins will take 668. So they'll be, I would guess, the T-Wolves bump to the overflow. Maybe right away. I don't know if they'll kind of go back after the coverage finishes in the Twins game. But, yeah, a uh, busy afternoon after a dark night in Minneapolis. Well, yeah, in a lot of ways. And the uh, Wild, T-Wolves, and Twins were all slated to play home games in the Twin Cities yesterday. Uh, do you like any uh, game today more than the others? Mm, not really. Okay. I've done some checking. Nothing popped out to me. Like, this is the tough thing about baseball is, like, I like the Rays. They're minus 177. Mm. Yeah. It's really, And they really, won. They're coming off a win, right? Yep, you know, they beat yeah. Texas? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Those are the prices that you're going to have to pay. 
Got to figure what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm still, as we're sitting here April 13th, figuring out exactly how I'm betting baseball this year. Remember, you went, you, you made money when you were betting the first five innings last year. Get back into that. Well, I like them. Well, uh, Murph and Andy coming up today at 1. The Fanatics will be here at 3 o'clock. I believe it's the Cyclone Insider Radio tonight, I think, at 6. Sounds right. All right. Well, tune in and find out what's coming up at 6. they got keywords as well throughout the day. Uh, Miller and Condon, we will be on the air tomorrow as we always are from 10 until noon on 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.